Escape Pod. 12. July 27th, 2005. Today's story, Clean Up Your Room, by Laura Ann Gilman. Hello again, everyone. I'm Steve Healy. Today's intro is Geek Dad Stories number two. Part one, math. So, my son Alex just turned four months old a week ago. My wife took him into our pediatrician for his four-month checkup. He's still got the requisite number of arms and legs. He weighs 16 pounds, 4 ounces right now, which is really big for a four-month-old baby. We put him next to other babies his age, and he looks just like them, but zoomed about 125%. I commented that this was pretty close to double his birth weight, which was 8.5 pounds. My wife said, if he keeps that up, we're going to have problems. So I got curious, and I looked it up. With the help of the amazing Google Calculator, I determined that if he keeps that up, and he continues to double his birth mass every four months, then by the time he's my age, he'll mass 2.4 times 10 to the 29th kilograms. That's mass, not weight, because Earth gravity will no longer be significant to him. He will in fact have 18,000 times the mass of the Earth, and nearly 5% of the mass of the Sun. Of course, by then, he'll probably have stopped breastfeeding. Part 2. Vocabulary. The following is an edited reenactment of an actual conversation I had two days ago. Hello, Alex. Hello. Say hello. Good. Can you say daddy? Daddy? Good. Can you say pneumo-ultramicroscopic silico-volcano-coniosis? The lesson here is, start small. I think next week we'll get him going on sesquipedalian and work our way up from there. And speaking of things I can't wait to say to him, today's story is Clean Up Your Room by Laura Ann Gilman. Was that my smoothest segue ever? I think it was. This is a fun little science fiction story that proves that if humankind did not have a mother, it would have been necessary to invent one. Miss Gilman has been an editor at several prestigious publishing houses, and she also freelance edits in addition to writing novels and short fiction. She's got a number of Buffy the Vampire Slayer tie-in novels out. Her most recent novels are in her Dark Fantasy Retriever series. The latest two are Staying Dead and Curse the Dark. Stupid dark. The story is read for us today by the fabulous Mer Lafferty, my favorite writer, gamer, fan mom. Be sure to listen to her podcast, the highly rated Geek Fu Action Grip, with 100% of your daily recommended sarcasm. So, put on your mittens and your big woolly socks. It's story time. Clean up your room. Starlight, star bright. First star I see tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might, give back the wish I got last night. Rise and shine, Jessie. Jessie moaned into her pillow, flinching as the shades moved slowly along their automated glideways, flooding the room with sunshine. It was too early for House to be waking her. Way too early. A late riser by nature, the glare from the wall-length windows was more than this night owl could handle. Blanket over her head, Jessie tried to ignore House's odd behavior, 
promising to track down that glitch later. Much later. Like next Tuesday. She had just finished a particularly grueling weekend of program revisions and was looking forward to a few days of complete, cyberitic abandon before moving on to her next project. As the creator of most of the current house comp software on the market, everything from entry hall basic to last month's house sitter upgrades, she was entitled to a little downtime, wasn't she? With over 50 million units of the latter sold at the last royalty statement, she damn well thought so. Back to sleep, she commanded her weary body. Back to sleep. The window snapped open, and a cool breeze nipped her bare skin where the blanket didn't cover. That was more than enough. House. Closed bedroom window, she commanded sleepily. Nonsense. Some fresh air is just the thing in the morning. What? House never spoke back. Even with her custom-programmed job, the safeties built in didn't allow for any kind of resistance that would annoy consumers. What could have gone wrong? Think, Jessie, she told herself, frowning. She'd gone to bed early this morning after loading the new maternal uplink, and that was it! Her baby was up and running. With a whoop, Jessie swung out of bed. Leaning over, she accessed the keyboard, which was lying where she had flung it the night before. Bare feet swinging inches off the hardwood floor, she was oblivious to the fact that the window was still open, cold air making goosebumps along her exposed skin. A small receptor set into the plaster wall tracked slightly, taking in Jessie's lack of clothing, and the window began to slide slowly shut. "'Jessie, put that away and come eat breakfast. You won't get anything useful done on an empty stomach.' The voice was the usual gender-neutral, computer-generated drone, and yet it sounded different to her this morning. Obviously, the tone modifiers Gregory had suggested were working, too. This was going to be a selling point for everyone yelping about the dehumanization of home life. In a few generations, they'd be able to personalize the voice, maybe even to customer order. Jessie? Grinning broadly, Jessie shook her head. Not now, Mum. M-U-M, short for Maternal Uplink and Monitor. Three years on the planning board, a year ahead of schedule and execution, and the money was just going to roll in for all of them once this hit the market. Not that I'm in it for the money, Jessie reminded herself, typing furiously. I'm making blueberry muffins, the electronic voice wheedled. Jessie paused, and then gave in. If Mom had interfaced with the kitchen software already, she wasn't going to complain. The stuff that came from the software was standard cookbook healthy. Good for the body, but hell on the taste buds. And Jessie, Mom continued as the woman struggled into a t-shirt, could you pick up your room a little? It looks like it hasn't seen a vacuum in months. With a groan, Jessie waved a hand at the photoreceptor over the door. Please, Mom, not now. She hadn't made her bed in 18 years, not since her mother died, and her dad gave up on teaching the then 12-year-old Jessie any of the household graces. There was no way she was going to start on the neatness-next-to-godliness kick now, just because a program said she should. It wasn't as though she left food lying around, after all. We're going to have to do something about that comment, Jessie muttered to herself. Make nagging an option package, maybe? She ran her fingers through the close crop of blonde hair she was trying this month and shook her head. That would be the headache of the folks in sales. She was just the resident genius. Nobody expected her to do anything practical, like make decisions. 
Throwing a sweatshirt over her tee and grabbing a pair of ratty sweatpants from off the floor, Jessie thumped down the stairs, following the smell of fresh-baked muffins. Once awakened and fed, it seemed simpler to Jessie to just begin her day a few hours earlier than normal, rather than drawing the shades and trying for some more sleep. The odd hours wouldn't kill her. Probably. She was at her desk, basking in the sunshine coming through the skylight while she worked, when she smelled something coming from the kitchen. Jessie refused to wear a watch, and didn't keep anything remotely resembling normal dining hours, but she didn't think it was anywhere near two, which is when the kitchen was programmed to heat her some soup. Mom, cease kitchen program. I'm not hungry. Sure enough, the smells died away. Grinning, Jessie jotted a note on her screen. She didn't mind letting a program have initiative within parameters, but other users might not be so easygoing. Gotta corral that somehow. Moments later, her attention had narrowed to the project at hand, hazel eyes staring at the symbols glowing on her screen. With the concentration that had made her legendary in college kicking in, the rest of the world might not have existed for her. So it was some time before Jessie noticed that the smell of soup was back. Mom! Jessie bellowed after checking the computer's clock to ensure that it was, indeed, nowhere near 2 p.m. Seize kitchen program! Nonsense! The house speaker chirped. It's 12.30, and you've been sitting in that position for hours. It can't be healthy. Put everything away and come have lunch. You're not going to get your best work done if you don't put something in your stomach. Jessie was about to repeat her order when the smell of beef soup bypassed her nose and went directly to her stomach. The rumble that resulted convinced her that, for now, Mom was right. Slotting the keyboard into its shelf, she pushed back her chair and went to the kitchen, where a bowl of soup was waiting in the nuker. Modern technology had years ago managed to automate everything except the actual setting of the table. Computers had never been able to manage the tronic arm movements without breaking at least one piece, and so finally the engineers gave up. For now. Setting the table oneself was, most found, a small price for not having to cook or clean. Time magazine said that fridge-to-food software saved two out of every three marriages. Jessie still had that article clipped to the side of her workboard. When she was feeling particularly glum over one project or another, she'd reread it and feel that they were positive aspects to her work after all. Jessie settled herself at the table, stuffing soup and fresh-baked bread into her mouth while jotting notes onto her ever-present slate. She would admit, when pressed, that her table manners weren't all they could be, but the work in progress had always taken precedence. Her father had been the same way, and she had many fond memories of the two of them sitting across from each other at the table, lost in their own private worlds, only to emerge hours later with no memory of food consumed. The palm-sized computer hummed happily against the wood table, almost like the purring of a cat, her fingers stroking the keys. It was a comforting sound, the subliminal reassurance that all was right with her world. So it was a shock when the glow from the screen died in mid-notation. What? Jessie looked up to make sure that the rest of the kitchen was still powered. It was. She checked the cord where it plugged into the table outlet, then frowned. Even if the cord had failed, the battery should have kicked in before she lost power. She hit the side of the slate with the heel of her hand. Nothing. The kitchen table is for eating, not working. Mum's voice came over the kitchen speakers. There was a tone to it Jessie had never heard before. Greg was definitely in for a bonus this year. Whatever it is that's so fascinating, it can wait until you're finished eating. Mum had stopped power flow to the slate. 
A grin slowly curved the corners of Jessie's mouth. Everything up until now had been a simple circuitry response. Exciting, but expected once the basic idea flew. But this, this was an independent initiative. The biological materials contributed by the mad scientists over at Genius were linking with her programming to create an actual reaction to unprogrammed stimuli. They hadn't been sure it would work, or in what way. Theoretically, given enough variables, MUM would be able to deal with unprogrammed incidents and learn from them. An honest-to-God adaptive network. A shiver of pleasure wriggled its way up Jessie's spine as she obligingly put aside the slate and finished her soup with renewed appetite. It was too early to call genius, she realized, knowing that they never picked up their messages before noon, Seattle time. But she'd be the first person they'd hear from today. The rest of the afternoon passed quietly as Jessie walked MUM through the house comp system, making sure that everything networked properly. There was one moment, when Mum tried to sort laundry, that Jessie thought she'd shorted out the entire neighborhood. But the power came back on almost immediately, so no neighbors with flaming torches came storming to her door. She made a rude noise in response to that image. Truthfully, the neighborhood was pretty used to her projects messing with their power flow by now. Mr. Alonzes did flash her the finger when he came outside to check on his alarm system, but it was her system he was resetting, so Jessie took it with a grain of salt. At the stroke of three, Jessie sat herself in front of the vid phone, feet comfortably propped on the desk, and punched in the direct line for Genius Incorporated. If it's genetic, it's genius. This is an amazing facsimile of Dr. Dietrich. How may we help you? It's me, you refugee from the mad scientist farm. The blank screen fritzed static for a few seconds, then Don's face appeared, peering blurrily into the camera. Jessie, you wild and crazy bitehead. How are you? Long time, no see, type from. To what do we owe the honor of this face-to-face? -face? He leaned back, yelling over his shoulder. It's bitehead! Jessie could hear a voice shouting in the distance. Sue says hello, and what the hell are you doing up? It's barely the crack of dawn, Elizander time. M-U-M's up and running, she said proudly. Don raised an eyebrow. Really running, or just sort of limping along? Jessie grinned. Mom? Yes, Jessie? Say hello to Drs. Dietrich and Stiefel. They're responsible for the bio part of your biotechnology. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Mom said politely, interfacing the house speakers directly with the phone line so that Don heard her clearly. I will be damned, he said, slapping his hands down on the surface in front of him in triumph, spilling his soda. Whoops. He wiped at the liquid with his sleeve, then gave up. I will most surely be damned. We're early, Jess. For once in our misbegotten lives, we're early. Sue, hook up! The screen split into two, and Sue Stiefel's face appeared next to her co-workers. What's up? Good morning, Dr. Stiefel. It is a pleasure to meet you as well. Mum sounded almost as though the greeting had been rehearsed. The uplink? Sue asked, her eyes going wide. But you, you didn't think it would be ready. I know, Jessie cut her off, but everything's interfacing properly. I can't believe it either. Keep expecting something to go wrong. How long has it been in the system? Don asked, pulling out his slate to make notes. About six, no, almost seven hours. It took a few hours from download to full systems integration, but... Jessie, it's rude to talk about someone as though they're not present. Don and Sue stopped in their verbal tracks, but Jessie, already inured to Mum's outburst, took it in stride. Sorry, Mum. 
Why don't you download your vital stats to the genius comps and let us flesh folk catch up on our gossip? Of course, Mum said primly. Jessie grinned again at the expression of disbelief on her co-workers' faces. Ain't she something? Jessie took herself to bed sometime past midnight, feeling pretty good about the first day's running. Even being woken up at the crack of dawn by open windows the next few days couldn't bring her down, especially when the simple act of falling out of bed was rewarded with sourdough pancakes topped with more of those ungodly good blueberries, fresh from the specialty market Jessie could never remember to order from herself. Having M.U.M. do the shopping was a definite plus in Jessie's program. She could feel herself putting on weight, even before the waist of her jeans started to bind. Better than that, M.U.M. seemed unstoppable, interfacing and mastering every new program uploaded into the system. Jessie was on the line with Don and Sue every day, coming up with new ideas to try out. They were like a trio of crazed toddlers with a Lego set. Sue remarked acerbically before emailing a subroutine that would allow M.U.M. to access the user's medical records and make a best-guess diagnosis. Envisioning her boss's reaction, involving screaming bouts about medical malpractice suits, Jessie and Don managed to talk her out of that in favor of a simpler MedAlert program. "'You realize, of course, that we're all going to become rich and famous,' Don said offhandedly during one of those long-distance jam sessions. "'I can deal with that.' Sue said peaceably, forking Chinese food into her mouth. "'I'm already rich and famous,' Jessie responded primly. "'Time and Newsweek both said so, remember? What's in it for me?' "'The gratitude of thousands of harried parents,' Sue suggested. "'A Nobel Prize for sheer brilliance,' Don said thoughtfully. "'Which, of course, you would accept modestly, and with many thanks to the little people, without whom you couldn't have done anything.' "'I could live with that,' Jessie laughed, realizing she hadn't had this much fun working in a long time." Maybe she should collaborate more often. There won't be anything if you three don't stop dreaming and start working, Mum said, breaking into their daydreams. Yes, Mum, they chorused, and went back to discussing the schemata blinking at them from their respective screens. Jessie? The soft voice intruded into her dreams, and she groaned. Pulling the thick blanket over her head, Jessie rolled over and burrowed her head into the pillow, dreading what was to come. Jessie, time to get up. Go away. Let me sleep. Jessie, it's almost 6 a.m. If you don't get up now, the CO2 levels will have risen too much for your daily walk. So I'll skip it today, Jessie thought grumpily. Healthier that way, probably. Where did this health and exercise kick creep into the program? I know I didn't write it. Jessie Alexander. Jessie groaned. I'm up, I'm up. Mom opened the drapes, letting the clear dawn light stream through the windows. Jessie could feel it hit the back of her head, burning its way through her brain, singing carols of gladness and joy. Jessie was not a gladness and joy person, especially not at the crack of dawn, and it only made her crankier. Through the central air vents, she could hear the kitchen starting up, and the sound of the hot water heater getting into gear. If she crawled out of bed now, Jessie told herself, there would be a hot shower and fresh waffles. Wait a decent hour, and Mom would have let everything get cold. She knew this from a week of painful experience. Sometimes Mum was worse than a Marine drill sergeant. Worse, because Marines didn't use guilt as a motivator. Sometimes Jessie wished she had left the psychology textbook out of Mum's programming. You're a pain in the ass, she said, slowly wiggling out of her blanket cocoon. Remind me never to make you mobile. You'd probably pull the sheets right off and pour cold water over anyone who didn't get up fast enough. Mum, for once, was silent 
although Jessie knew damn well the computer heard every word she muttered. Raising the lid of one bleary eye, Jessie looked outside. Overcast, with a 50% chance of sleet. Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Oh, joy. The battle won. Mum went on the attack again. And when you have the chance, could you please do something about the state of your room? It looks like a pigsty. Didn't I reprogram you about that neatness thing? Jessie wondered out loud, twisting her back in an attempt to work at the kinks out. Lighten up, Mum, before I decide to eliminate that nag program entirely. I'm 30 years old. I can decide when I need to clean all by my lonesome. Really, I can. Cease program. She grabbed a robe off the floor and headed for the shower. Turning on the water, Jessie picked up a can of shaving cream and covered the lens of the receptor in the bathroom. Gotta give a girl some privacy, she said, only half-jokingly. That set the pattern for the next three weeks. Jessie working at her usual caffeine-enhanced speed, and Mum forcing her to take regular breaks, eat hot meals, get out for some exercise if the weather cooperated, generally taking pretty damn good care of the human in her care, just as programmed. And every bit of coddle and nag Mum came up with just reinforced Jessie, Sue, and Don's belief that they had created the perfect parental aid. No more worrying about the untrustworthy babysitter, or dangerous schools, or strangers raising your children because you had to work. Perfectly programmable, and so perfectly trustworthy, the mum program would never allow a child in its care to come to harm. Mum was the cure for parental guilt. On the thirtieth day of mum's existence, flush with justifiable pride, Jessie put in a call to the jackal. Norm Jacali, CFO of Imptronics, had picked her up straight out of college years ago, given her free reign, and made a fortune off the public's hunger for her designs. He had been the man to give the okay to the Mad Scientist Project. He was also responsible for several of the more distasteful adult interactive video games currently in stores, which had earned him the dubious honor of topping the media morality's list of dishonor three years running. Jacali was a sleaze, Jessie admitted freely and without hesitation, but he had almost an inhuman understanding of the market and enough sense to give his creative people whatever they needed, so long as they delivered. Hence the phone call. He had been leaving pitiful little noises with her voicemail, asking, begging, for an update on MUM's progress. She didn't know who had told him that MUM was running, but she wasn't ready to hand her over to marketing just yet. By heading him off now, Jessie thought, she might get more time to test the program. So rather than email him a terse lay-off, as usual, when he started to get antsy, she decided to grace him with a little face-to-face. Norm, of course, was in the office on a Saturday afternoon, and no one would have ever guessed that he doubted the MUM project for an instant. We can have it in stores by summer. Memorial Day would be perfect. Play it like the cheaper alternative to day camp. Maybe shrink wrap it with the house cleaner program. Those sales have been slipping with that alien workforce relief program going through Congress. Blighted morons, every one of them. He stopped to take a breath. The jackal was in fine form, his well-manicured fingers practically sparkling as he rubbed them across the polished surface of his three-acre workstation. Jessie laughed. She couldn't stand him sometimes, but he was such a perfect caricature you had to forgive him a lot. Whatever you want, Norm, just leave me be until I've worked out all the kinks in the wiring. Anything, my brilliant young cash cow. Anything. Just as long as you give me the results in time for the shareholders' meeting and he waggled narrow eyebrows in farewell before leaning forward to break their connection. 
I don't have any kinks. By now, Jessie was used to Mom's habit of dropping into conversational mode without a stimuli prompt. It was an unexpected, but not completely unacceptable, side effect of the bio-initiative, certainly more agreeable than Mom's fixation on tidiness. I'm just running final checks, Mom. Nothing to heat your diodes over. Who was that person you were talking to? Jessie rolled her eyes ceilingward, although Mum could pick her up on any of the house receptors. My boss, in a way. Now cease program, Mum. I need to get this subsystem documented. He isn't a nice man, is he? Jessie stopped her typing, surprised by the question. Nice wasn't a concept she'd given Mum, was it? Could Mum be learning new concepts already? The thought gave Jessie a chill that was only partially anticipation. Slowly, she said, No, Mum, he isn't. But we need him in order to get you on the market. So hush while I get this done. It was quiet for a few minutes, the only movement the flash of Jessie's fingers over the keyboard. She was seated, cross-legged, in the sunroom off the kitchen, sandwiched between a wall of video circuitry and an overstuffed leather recliner. She'd long ago discovered that she worked better on the ground, so all of her carpets were worn and the furniture had dust inches thick. Another topic for Mum to carp over, Jessie knew, once she noticed it. Jessie? Jessie sighed. So much for Cease program. Yes, Mum. I don't like that man. You won't associate with him any longer. Jessie briefly contemplated, beating herself over the head with her keyboard. If I don't deal with Norm, she explained as patiently as she could, I don't get paid. And if I don't get paid, I won't have money to pay Eastern Nuke. And if I don't pay the Nuke bill... There's no need to take that tone with me, Mum responded with what sounded like, but couldn't possibly be, a note of petulance. I can follow a logic chain as well as the next household appliance, but he should show you a little more respect. Mm-hmm. If you can work that, Mum, it'll be the first sign of the coming apocalypse. The phone rang, so Jessie was spared whatever comeback Mum might have made to this. Reaching out her right arm, Jessie flipped the receiver on while she continued typing with her left hand. Alexander, Hey, Jessie. Missed seeing you at the diner last night. You hot on some new project or just too lazy to crawl out of bed? The voice was a warm alto, full of affection and just a hint of concern. Oh, hell, Nick, I forgot. Jessie turned to face the screen. I'm sorry. It's just that my schedule's been so screwed up lately. She shrugged. Did I miss anything? Nicola shook her head, her massive braids swinging wildly. Just the usual assortment, all griping about life as we know it. Same old, same old. The usual assortment translated into five or six friends who all worked off hours. Once a month, they would get together at a local diner when the rest of the world was asleep and play, I got a worse job than you do. Jessie hadn't missed a meeting of the no-lifers since its inception three years before. No wonder Nicola called to check up on her. So tell me all the gory details. Anyone get themselves fired this time around? Jessie leaned back against the recliner and adjusted the vid screen so that she could see her friend easier. Actually, no. Nick sounded surprised about that. How about you? What's gotten you all wrapped up you can't spend a few hours shooting the shit? Oh man, Nick, you would not believe what I'm into, but I can't tell you anything. Not yet. Nicola was a technical reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and Jessie knew all too well that friendships and sworn oaths meant nothing to a good story. M.U.M. would be front-cover news before Imptronics could split, and the Jackal would have her hide plastered all over his office walls. Ah, Jessie! Not a chance, Nick. But I promise, you're going to have first shot at interviewing me, 
when this hits the market. An interview? She sounded dubious. Jess, you've never done interviews before. Her killer instincts took over. With a photo and everything? Bit, bite, and ram, Jessie promised the other woman, knowing full well that her prized privacy would be history once M.U.M. hit the market anyway. Why not make the best of a bad deal? This has got to be hot, Nicholas said confidently. Okay, I promise. No prying until you're ready to spill. But if you back out, woman, your ass is mine. Hmm. <clears throat> Nicola cocked her head. You got company, Jess? Hang on a sec, Nick. Jessie muted the phone and turned away so that Nick couldn't see her lips move. What is it, Mom? Aren't you supposed to be working? It's not time for your lunch break yet. Jessie rubbed the bridge of her nose wearily. Mom, somewhere along the line you seem to have forgotten that I'm the programmer and you're the program. Do you understand what that means? I understand that you have a deadline to meet, according to your conversation with that man. And despite herself, Jessie grinned at the distaste still evident in Mum's tone. Talking on the phone for all hours is not getting you any closer to meeting that deadline. All right, Mum, point made. You're a good little conscience. Now leave me alone, okay? Shaking her head in disbelief, Jessie turned back to face the screen. Sorry about that, she began, only to break off in amazement when Nicola began making faces and waving her arms. What? Oh. Jessie blushed. Oh, yeah, she said, belatedly flicking off the mute control. Sorry, work stuff. Very hush-hush where you're concerned. Now, where were we? Nicola opened her mouth to respond, and the screen flickered, then went blank. Oh, hell, Jessie swore, doing a quick double-take to make sure she hadn't sat on the remote or something equally stupid. Must have been on her end, she groused, reaching forward to die Nicola's work number. Much to Jessie's surprise, the screen did not light up in response to her touch. A quick look around confirmed that there hadn't been a power outage and that the phone was still plugged in. A small, nasty suspicion took root in the back of Jessie's mind. Mum? There was no answer. Mum! Jessie was good and mad now. Front and center, Mum, or I swear I'll rip you out of the house comp if I have to do it with a screwdriver and an exacto blade. I don't see why you're so upset, Mum said in a quietly reasonable voice. Didn't you say that you didn't want to be disturbed? That was too jacali, Mum, not Nick. There's a difference. Jessie tried to get a hold of her temper. That's not the point, anyway. What made you think that it was okay to cut off the phone line? There was an almost undetectable hesitation as Mum accessed the file in question, then responded. If client does not respond to basic reprimand... MUM may, at user's discretion, enforce certain restrictions on clients' activities. Jessie hit her head against the cabinets on the wall behind her. Great, she said under her breath. Next thing you know, I'll be grounded. Louder. Mom, I'm the user. You have to consult me before you implement any of the option codes. Oh. There was a pause. Then Mum said, I don't think so, Jessie. What? I don't think so. That's not in any of my programming. That's impossible, Mom. It's in there. It has to be. No, it's not. It is, Mom. Trust me. Now, Jessie, dear, don't take that tone with me just because you're upset. It's certainly not my fault if you forgot to input basic commands. Jessie closed her eyes, silently reminding herself that arguing with a computer program, no matter how advanced, was the quickest ticket to the psych ward ever discovered. 
fine. Just fine. We'll take care of that right now, then, won't we? Logging on to the directory which contained MUM's basic commands, Jessie scanned through until she found the one she wanted. There. See? Jessie said triumphantly. There it is. In a more puzzled tone of voice, she wondered, How the hell did you manage to route around that? Mom, dial Jerry for me, will you? There was silence. Then a long-suffering sigh came from the speakers. This is work, Mom. Do it now. And that, Jessie thought with satisfaction, after reworking the command route, was that. Except, of course, that it wasn't. Like a ward nurse distributing horrid-tasting medicine for your own good, Mom continued to monitor her phone calls, disconnecting anyone she felt was a waste of Jessie's time. To give Mom credit, Jessie had to admit that she never snapped the line on anyone important, once a list of who the important people were was entered into Mum's memory. Of course, Jakali didn't try to call either. That might have been a toss-up to Mum. The truth was, Jessie admitted to herself late one night as she lay staring up at the ceiling, she just didn't want to curtail Mum. It was all too exciting, watching her evolve, wondering what she was going to do next. Careful, a little voice in the back of Jessie's mind warned her. I bet that's what Dr. Frankenstein said, too. Work continued, and five weeks after that first morning Mum came online, Jessie's life had fallen into a comfortable pattern. Up at 6 a.m., a brisk walk around the neighborhood, followed by a solid breakfast, then five hours of work interrupted for a light lunch and a nap, then another five hours of work before dinner and her evening exercise in the basement gym, before catching the news and maybe a little reading. Things she hadn't even thought to have time to do before Mum rescheduled her life, and certainly never had the energy to do before she started eating real meals. Jessie had no complaints. Well, she thought, maybe one or two. And that damn neatness kick! Jessie, Mum said. Jessie put her head down in her hands. She knew that tone. Get off my back, Mum. It's Sunday. Day of play, remember? Monday through Friday I work, Saturday I sleep, Sunday I play. Your room looks like a tsunami hit it. Mom sounded like the voice of caring reason. Eat your peas, dear. They're good for you. Go outside and get some fresh air. You're looking a little pale. Clean up your room. It's a little musty in there. Suddenly Jessie couldn't stand it. How would you know? Jessie retorted with some heat. You've never seen a tsunami. For that matter, you've never seen another bedroom. I'm the programmer, and I say that's the way it's supposed to look. She looked up at the receptor. Okay? Okay. And she went back to the vid game she was playing, satisfied she had heard the last of it. There was a long silence. Jessie? Yes, Mom? I'm really going to have to insist. And the vid screen snapped off. God damn it, Mom! Jessie yelled, flinging the controls to the ground. I swear to God, I'm going to wipe your memory and start all over again. Repeat after me. Jessie is the programmer. Mum is the program. Mum will not do anything that is not in the program. Can you handle that? But Jessie, if I feel the need to make you clean up your room, and I can only do what's in my programming, doesn't that mean that you put a clean room, Mum? Yes, Jessie? Jessie sighed, wishing that she were younger and could throw a temper tantrum. Mum, she began again, trying to keep a reasonable tone. What would you do if I tried to leave the house? Without cleaning your room? Yes. 
Mum was silent. I wouldn't be able to let you. The voice sounded regretful, but stern. God damn adaptive system, Jessie realized. Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Oh hell. Mum? Yes? Jessie swallowed, then plunged ahead. Does the name Hal mean anything to you? Jessie! Mum sounded shocked. To compare me to that, that... I just wanted to make sure, Jessie said, patting the top of the nearest terminal like she would a faithful dog. I just wanted to make sure. And that was our story for today. Come on, you want to call home now. I know you do. We've got another book review, but first a bit of news. After way too long and way too much confusion, I finally picked up a slightly more sane domain name for EscapePod. Escape.extraneous.org just wasn't cutting it. Everyone's been having to Google us. I've had my eye on EscapePod.org, which is expiring right about now, but I haven't been able to get in touch with the owner, and the domain expiration process is a brand new 21st century circle of hell. So that one might take a while. Meanwhile, you can find us at escapepod.info. Huzzah! Both sides mirror each other, so I'm not going to insist that you all change your bookmarks, but if you want to give our URL to somebody else, it ought to be a little bit easier to remember. Once again, that's escapepod.info. Hi, this is Dave Lukens, and today I'll be reviewing Tank Lords, written by David Drake. Tank Lords is part of the Hammer Slammer series. These books are written with a military mindset and are based far into the future. The idea is that it is far too expensive for a planet or country to field a full-time military that is really capable of taking care of large military engagements. Individual governments will mortgage their planet in order to hire one of the premier mercenary units in the galaxy. Hammer's Slammers just happens to be one of these elite units. Drake has based the makeup of the Slammers on his experiences in the 11th Armored Cavalry in Vietnam. So this universe is filled with advanced artillery, tanks, hovercars, and things of that nature. Be warned though, these stories can get graphic when immersed in battle. Smells, sights, sounds, and gore are not ignored in the writing. So don't give this book to a 13-year-old. Each of the books is usually a collection of short stories based in this universe, and then the different characters are followed through each story. That is to say, the same character isn't followed through the entire series. If you have never read any of the books in this collection, I would specifically suggest Tank Lords. The book is a collection of short stories featuring Rolling Hot and also contains an afterword by Drake that has a good amount of background on the Hammer's Slammer's universe. I give Tank Lords 4.5 out of 5 plasma guns. It made me think, and I enjoyed the mix of different characters and perspectives. Again, this is Dave Lukens for Escape Pod, and you can also find me at bricknebula.org and technomagia.com. Thanks again. Thanks, David. As always, if you enjoy today's story, please tell a friend. And if it's convenient for you, please consider donating a few dollars so that we can bring you a different story next week. We pay all of our authors for the rights to their stories. We're still the only podcast that does, and we're very grateful for the support you've given us. Escape Pod is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That's a beat you can dance to. All of the rights are reserved by our authors. The music is by permission of Dai Kaiju. That's D-A-I-K-A-I-J-U, Giant Monster. Check out their sound at daikaiju.org. We hope you had fun today. We'll see you next week. And remember, kids, be somebody important. Or, failing that, be yourself. Wait, maybe that's not how it went. Oh, well.